Well, good evening, everyone. Darren Saul here, your host of Saul Searching, the Saul Recruitment Podcast, episode 32. I have a very special show and a very special guest all the way from Ireland. Donald, how are you? I'm excellent, Darren. Really good. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, now, everybody out there, we're going to be chatting about the fact that speeches and presentations should be performed, not delivered. All of us, to some degree or other, are in sales. You might be trying to sell the kids on the idea of going to bed, or trying to sell your widget to a client, or trying to sell your service, or trying to sell the idea that you are worth voting for in an election. It doesn't matter. If you are trying to get others to do something, you're in sales. Selling is simply a transfer of belief. To transfer that belief, you have to be able to communicate well. So my guest today, Donald O'Neill, has over 30 years in the entertainment industry. He's gone from being afraid of his own voice on a PA system to being a performer who loves talking to a large audience. Now he coaches others in how to engage, educate, and to some degree entertain when they are speaking to an audience. He believes that a presentation should be performed, not delivered. So welcome again, Donald. <laughs> Thank you. I think you've covered everything, Darren. That'll do us all the best. That'll do. We'll just press stop there and we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, once again, thanks again for doing this. Really appreciate it. And I love the topic because I think, you know, we're all speaking and we're becoming, you know, we're putting ourselves in front of an audience, whether it's face-to-face -face or Zoom, and we have to become master communicators. And yeah. it's really the time now when people have to step up and learn how to transfer their message. And what, you know, what you do is so important because it's not just about, you know, uh, repeating something verbatim. It's a, it's a performance. Absolutely. Uh, you really have to engage people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like your audience here. Yep. I mean, they, they, we, we have to be interesting to them. Otherwise they're going to switch off. As simple as that. So you have to be able to engage them and take them on a journey with you. And that's really what it is. If you're presenting to somebody, as you rightly say, it's not a question of reading something out. You, know, you might as well put it in an envelope and post it to them yeah. or send them an email. You yeah. know, if you're actually asking people to sit and listen to you either on a screen or come to a proper venue and listen to you, you have to engage them. And honestly, you have to entertain them. Hundred percent, and I think that goes with content in general now because it's such a noisy market. Everybody's, you know, putting out content. It has to be educational, but it also has to be entertaining, which is kind of what we're going to be yeah. chatting about today as well. But maybe before yeah. we get into it, I'd love to hear your story. Let's give the audience a little bit of your background as to how you ended up in this field and why you do what you do. <laughs> okay, uh, well, as you as you mentioned earlier, um, years and years ago, I wouldn't have spoken on a microphone and that that wasn't that unusual because i worked in the entertainment business but i worked in what i would call the background end of it i was uh first of all i was an agent and then i became a manager uh, and then a promoter and what i found and as i say it wasn't a surprise was that the people who supply the pa systems and the lighting systems and all that sort of thing uh, they are more than happy to do the best possible job they can for the people who are on the stage, yep. but don't ask them to either go on stage or speak in the microphone. I remember going into a guy one time on the PA and said, would you make an announcement 
car registration number such and such has le left their lights on. <laughs> yeah. And he went, no, 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 I'm not speaking in the microphone. You do it. You know, I'm thinking this guy owns a PA company, you know, yep. and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> that was, it was as bad as that. Yep. So um, so that, that, that's where I started from. You know, uh, people as a rule hate the sound of their own voice through a PA, especially the first time they hear it. You know? sure. And if I'm coaching somebody now who has a, a live presentation to do somewhere, one of the things I do, I say, right, let's go and get a, a room or a hall somewhere. I'll bring a PA system. We'll set it up. You take a microphone and listen to yourself. Don't. So I don't want you being shocked the first time you hear your voice. And I've done that to great effect with people because it's, I, I know what they expect. They look in their face. The, and the first thing they do, they talk into the mic. And as soon as they hear a noise, they pull the mic away. Yeah. And they can't hear any more noise, you know, right. <laughs> so because they, they hit what they what they hear because they're just not used to it. You know, nobody's used to hearing themselves. We have we talk and we have we hear ourselves inside our head. And that is not how it sounds out there. You know, so when you hear it yourself through a microphone, suddenly for the first time in your life, probably you're hearing what you really sound like out there. Yeah. And it seems it feels alien because you've been listening to this other sound all your life up to that point. Yeah. You know? So that, that, that's one of the things we do. So uh, in my case, what happened was uh, I, I love music. That's why I end up in the entertainment business. And I'm a frustrated musician because I can't play. <laughs> I, I would love to be a musician, but I, but I can't. I've never I've never had the, the discipline to apply myself long enough. I, I mean, the number of times I said I to learn to play guitar. Yeah, and I still can't play guitar. Did you ever um, try to play the guitar? I've tried it, but I've never, I've never had it. It's probably pure discipline and, yeah. and uh, practice, I suppose, would be the yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, as I said, I love it. And I, I had got into the entertainment business. I got to the promotion stage. And there was a guy who, he, unfortunately, he's, he's dead now, but he had a brilliant life. He lived way into his 80s. This guy called Eric Delaney. He was massive in the UK, probably in the late 50s early 60s probably but just up to and including the start of the beatles time okay. it would have been his real heyday the beatles yeah. probably killed him in many ways yeah. and what he was was he was a drummer but he was no ordinary drummer he was an amazing drummer yeah, yeah. and he had uh, a, a, well he ended up actually with a really big band but that's another story he had this band which were a bit like a typical sort of dance band, Glenn Miller type thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe not quite as big as that, but Eric was a showman, a uh, fantastic showman. And he was a guy, when I first met him, which would have been back in the 80s, he was 65. And he obviously, he was still trading a bit on his, his past, but a lot of people hadn't a clue who he was, but that stage, younger people, you know, yeah. who'd been brought up in the Beatles and the Stones and the whole Deep Purple thing and all that. Yeah. So um, I, I, uh, I brought him in to do a tour uh, in Ireland because I'd been told by this guy that I respected a lot. Eric is a first-class entertainer. Right. And uh, the first night we brought him in, and this, is, this just shows you exactly where I was at. Uh, there, was a, there was a little sort of a hick town in the middle of Nowheresville in, in Northern Ireland called uh, Castle Derg. I've just offended anybody from Castle Derg. But <laughs> <laughs> the first night was a, was a Saturday night and we had Eric booked into the Castle Derg. And he arrived in with a band. It was called Eric Laney's Little Big Band. There was only five of them, you know, uh, and Eric. And they arrived in the van. I was there to meet them. And they opened the van and they started carrying all this kit in and i was like how on earth first i thought the van was a tardis there was that much in it how did they get so much into it you know and they got all this stuff the reason there was so much kit he had 36 percussion instruments 
on the stage, right? Including three kettle drums and and oh, just a massive kit, yeah. And the other the other four guys were squeezed onto the floor because they couldn't get on the stage. (laughs) You had a keyboard player and and you had a guitar player and a bass player and so on. (laughs) So anyway, uh, Eric and I sat down. When he did he did a sound check. And it was really good. The sound was great. I thought, wow, this guy is good. He's really good, you know? Yeah. So we sat down and we started talking. We spent a couple of hours talking uh, and the doors opened and people started coming in and we got a good crowd. I think I, they were there just because they never heard of this guy. I want to see what he was like, you know? Yeah. And such things didn't come to Castledurg, you know? <laughs> so um, it came to the point where he was due to go on stage and he said, right, are you going to go and introduce me? I said, what oh, do you mind? the microphone? No way, not, not <laughs> doing that, no way. Uh, and he laughed, uh, he said, oh, come on. And uh, I said, no, not doing it, Eric. Honestly, couldn't do it, you know? <laughs> so he went on, he introduced himself. Oh right? my God. I, I didn't do it. And the band played, and to cut a long story short, they were magnificent. He was magnificent. And they entertained the place royally for the whole evening. I think he got three or four encores at the end of the night. They didn't want to let him go home. He was such a performer, you see. So that was great. I was well impressed. The following night, we had him in Belfast, the, the capital of Northern Ireland. And the reason we had him in there, it was a Sunday night. And most of the musicians in Belfast aren't working on a Sunday, right? And I figured that they would know who Eric was, and most of them did. So um, these guys, we, we did a we did a great business. We filled the place up, mostly with musos, you know, nice. because they wanted to see the great Eric Delaney. Now most of those guys knew me as well as an agent, uh, stroke promoter, and you know, entertainment agents rank somewhere below estate agents and insurance <laughs> in the entertainment world. Second-hand car salesman. Absolutely. Oh, they're they're way up there compared to us, yeah. <laughs> because musos really, really, uh, they really don't like giving you their ten percent. You know, they figure you don't do any work for it. So, anyway, this place is full of musos, real mostly heads, you know. And it's can't get to the point where Eric's going to go on. I'm starting to get a real guilt trip, you know, because I knew how good this guy. I witnessed him the night before. He was fantastic, and I thought, you know somebody has to introduce this fella it's not right to let a man so good yep. go into the front of this audience and not be announced yeah and i found myself walking to the stage the band had already got on stage such as the design of the venue the band actually were on the stage so i threaded my way through the audience and got up onto the stage and eric looked at me you know <laughs> he was sitting behind the drums you know, like what are you doing here you know and i sort of mouthed to him go and introduce you you know and he sort of smiley laughed, and I <laughs> I took it as a benevolent laugh. God, was I wrong? Yeah. So, <laughs> bear in mind, this guy's a drummer, right? His his timing is perfect, right? Yep, yep. So I grabbed the microphone because I'd seen Mick Jagger do that, and you asked what you had to do, grab the microphone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and just as I was about to say, ladies and gentlemen, I got the look out, right? Oh, no. And he hit the snare drum, a massive whack bang, and I jumped about two foot in the air. And the whole room fell about laughing. Right? Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> and I looked around. He was doubled up over the drum kit. The rest <laughs> of the band were laughing. Everybody was killing themselves oh, laughing at the idiot brilliant. on the stage, which was me. Yeah. And I do remember actually thinking, it can never get any worse than this. Yeah. Never, ever. It can only get better <laughs> I can't from remember, here. I can't remember what I said. But it, in psychology, they call that flooding, you know, exposing you to your greatest fear, you know. Yep. So there I was on a stage full of people who knew me making a complete muppet of myself, you know. 
And uh, that was it. So that probably cured my fear of getting on a stage. It didn't teach me how to do it. It didn't yep. teach me how to speak. But at least I wasn't worried about standing up in front of an audience anymore. So that was the beginning, you know. Nice. Uh, and then over the years, I had lots of other mostly disastrous experiences that taught me how to do things correctly you know, over the years until I got to the stage where I ended up on stage doing hypnotic shows and stuff like that, which, you know, an hour and a half, two hours and loving it. You know? so, hypnotic shows? Yeah. yeah. Oh so you're a hypnotist as well? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Donald, you do everything. <laughs> Unbelievable. <It's another> <laughs> wow, wait, we'll have to get you back on to talk about that. Oh, certainly. But, but I mean, that's, you know, that's fascinating because, you know, there's a lot of people out there, including myself, when I, before I even started podcasting or do, doing anything with content, you know, I was also scared of talking to a mic. I didn't know how am I going to sound? What am I going to say? You know, I'm not really that much of an extrovert anyway, really. But, um, you know, it just comes with practice and the more you yeah. do it, the better you get and the more fun you have. And I think that's the key as well. You just relax into it and you just enjoy the process. That, that is it. And it really, in fact, to be honest with you, it's a bit of a drug because yeah. once you start to enjoy it, you you, you yeah, I mean, I, I actually love being on stage now, you know, especially if you get a good responsive audience, you know, people who react to you. That's the one thing I miss about being on. We're still in lockdown in Ireland here at the moment, yeah. and I really miss a live audience, you know, because, yeah. you know, podcasting is great, or, or even if you're on a Zoom call with maybe 20 other faces, but you don't get the same feedback from the 20 people as you would in an audience. So you know? true. There's an energy you feel from live that you don't feel in the other. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Awesome. But I mean, let's get into the actual content of this because it's so relevant for people these days, particularly when they're doing presentations on Zoom because it's just as important. Um, but everybody always has a million opinions when it comes to presentations. Some people mm -hmm. say, say, oh, I've just got to wing it, make a couple of points and wing it. Some people say, I'm going to prepare it verbatim. Why are there so many opinions, do you think? Probably, well, there's a lot of people have done a lot of, uh, have written books about it, have done recordings about it and all the rest. Of it. And probably, and many, if you look at them, there's not that many opinions of people who are doing it properly. Yeah. Uh, those are two extremes that you've mentioned, right? You have the, what I call the winger, right? And the winger will come along and say, oh, I just want to wing it. I don't want to lose my spontaneity, you know, yeah, yeah. or spontaneity. Yeah. Believe me, the, the, the most spontaneous people are the best rehearsed. You know, always 100%. go and rehearse your spontaneity. You know, 100%. the greatest speakers have rehearsed their spontaneity. Um, the, the problem with winging it is that you really, anything can happen. Absolutely anything can happen, be it a live situation or uh, a Zoom situation. You know, your, your, your internet can go down, whatever, you know. Uh, and if you are winging it, you have to deal with that. And you have to think, oh, where was I? What was I doing? You know, it breaks your continuity completely. Similarly, similarly, if you are someone who has rehearsed it verbatim, that's even worse. Yeah, because if you lose your place, oh my God. You if you out. lose your place, you're completely yeah. lost. You're yeah. screwed. You know, <laughs> uh, you're trying to remember what, what, what sentence was I on? Oh, Wait, yeah, no way. And that's when you get people completely drying up. And then it's panicsful because they've never been in that situation before. And the audience is cringing. Because the thing about it is, one thing you have to bear in mind if you're speaking in front of an audience your audience wants you to succeed. It's not a comedy club. They're not there to hackle you. you know, <laughs> they actually want you to yeah. succeed. You know, if you can make them laugh, that's even better, like a comedy right. club. But uh, they, they, because you know yourself, if you're sitting watching someone who, be they a speaker or a player or whatever, 
and they're really struggling, you're starting to cringe in the audience. You're feeling for them. And yeah. it's making you feel very, very uncomfortable. That's so right. your audience wants you to succeed. Yeah. So uh, th th that's another reason not to learn it verbatim. Because if you get lost, then it's cringeville for everybody, you know. And I, and I love so when it, you said, I love when you said, a lot of the most uh, successful acts seem um, spontaneous, but the spontaneity has been rehearsed. And the more absolutely. you listen to somebody that speaks a lot, you'll hear the same joke or the same something slip in all the time at different, you know, at the right time. And you know, that person's thought of that, and it just brings it in whenever he need, he or she needs to. It's one of those things that the more confident you get, um, you will have little instances that happen, right? Mm. And your unconscious is very good at providing you with something. And once that, once it, it does that and that has worked, it then gets filed in your conscious for the next time. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. So the next time that happens, you, you actually have it there on file. Oh, yes. And you bring it out and it gotcha. works. Gotcha. The, the process is infinitely quicker than that <laughs> but yes that, that's where it works and that's a really good point is to get to if you can get to the point where you can be relaxed and let your subconscious take over mm -hmm. that's when you can really start to enjoy it because your conscious mind is what's holding you back yeah oh definitely yeah uh i mean your, your unconscious mind is trying to help you trying to help you succeed you know so long as you have as long as you haven't spent your whole life telling your unconscious mind that you're not you're useless, you know, so many people do. <laughs> if you tell your conscious mind, yeah, I'm, I'm good at this, it will yeah. make you good at this. You know, exactly. that, that's, that's definitely true. You know, the other thing is that, you know, people are really terrified of what happens if. Yeah. Well, there's a simple solution to what happens if, if, if the if happens, the first thing you do is you acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're in an audience, you know, if, if, if you know, somebody drops a, a tray of glasses down the road, don't keep speaking as if it didn't happen because yeah. everybody knows it has happened. That's Most right. of your audience are looking around to see who made the noise, you know. <laughs> That's right. So you acknowledge it, but you say something, not something nasty. You either say something funny or you say, oops, or something, you know, just to acknowledge that it has happened, you know, and then carry on. The, 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 I heard a story. I didn't witness this myself. But I heard it from a reliable source, shall we say. And it it involved a person who had achieved a great um, allocate in the speaking world, had won a competition, right? Yeah, yeah. And apparently, so I'm told, uh, he was asked to come along and give his talk to a large audience. And it involved baking a cake or something right. while he was doing this, right? Yeah, okay. And apparently he cracked the eggs but somehow the eggs got all over his trousers. Right? <laughs> no. And rather than acknowledge the fact that he got egg all down his trousers, he tried to continue with the whole thing as if it hadn't happened. <laughs> well, the eggs were just <laughs> flying down. Yeah. So the audience <laughs> were looking at all they're focusing on is the egg in his trousers. Uh, <laughs> no. And it was a farce, you know. Yeah. And it, it, it should have, he should have turned around and said, you know, said something about the fact that covered himself in egg yolk, you know, yeah. and then carried on. The audience would have loved them for exactly. it. If and, that. and that's when you so lose credibility and trust in a way, if you don't yeah. acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. You, you always need to be on the, you need the audience on your side. And the way to do that is to be on their side. Yeah, I like that. So true. <laughs> so when it comes to um, preparing, uh, you know, for your presentation, what are some of the things that, you know, you can tell people what, what should they be doing apart from bringing a, you know, a, Tray of eggs. <laughs> 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 Do 
probably the single most important thing, it's the thing that people don't do, is you need to rehearse. You really need to rehearse. Now that's down the line a bit after you've constructed what it is you're going to say. Yeah. So uh, if I go back a wee bit, um, a presentation journey, you know, you have, you're going to start from point A. Yeah. At the end of it, you want to get to point Z for the sake of argument or Z. I don't know what you say in Australia. Is it Z or Z uh, in Australia? Z, I think we say Z. Yeah. Right, right, you're the yeah. same as us, right? <laughs> you want to get to point Z and you have a whole lot of other points on your journey along the way. So that's how you, you construct this, the, the talk in your mind that way, you know. So you know where you're going to start, you know where you're going to finish, and you know different points that you want to get to. Um, most people would say, and I would agree with this, you know, work out your finish at the very start, work out what you want, how you want to finish up. You know, that will help you construct the, 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 the other points along the way. Yeah. So you know that in your head. Uh, if you want to, you could have bullet points somewhere of where those top off points are but that's as far as it goes each one of those bullet points should trigger something in your head that allows you to elaborate on it you know naturally so that's where the bit about not doing anything verbatim comes across because you know you want to talk about point point c you know and you have a whole lot of stuff you can say about that you can talk about it no problem that's right and the thing about it is you get a lot of speakers will come on and they'll say uh you know somebody will ask them a question and I'll say, I'll answer questions at the end. Well, the problem with that is by the time you get to the end, the person who's asking the question has been confused since point C. <laughs> yes, so right. they've lost interest in what you were saying. <laughs> they don't even, can't be bothered even asking you the question because it doesn't matter anymore. They've, yep. they've more or less missed the rest of the talk. You know, So if you have this these points that you know you're going to get to and somebody asks you a question, you can take the time out and explain yeah. it and explain it in such a way that you're involving the rest of the audience. And then, you know, I'm on point C, I'm now heading to point D, and you know, you can carry on your 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 talk That's nice. fluently, right? That's nice. It allows you to take those interruptions and deal with them at the time, you know. Now, okay, I know there's a there's a, a, a reasonable argument for saying, well, if you get too many questions, it slows the whole thing down. Yeah. But you can control that, you know, yeah. you can control that and say, well, that question's similar to that one, we'll cover that together, and yeah, so exactly. on, you know. So um so you work out your start, you work out your finish, and you, you get these points along the way. And then once you've done that, you rehearse. And you rehearse and you rehearse and you rehearse. And one of the great things about rehearsing, uh, you rehearse out loud. Yep. You don't rehearse like it in your that. head. I like because that. as we've already mentioned earlier on, what you sound like in there is different from what you sound <laughs> in reality. Definitely. So, you know, people see me in my car and they think, oh, he's on the phone. I'm not. I'm talking to myself. You know, <laughs> 25 years ago, before mobile phones, I just thought he was mad. He's just talking to himself. You know? Or he's just singing to the radio. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you can rehearse anywhere, you know, um, and I mean, if you really want to know what you sound like, you, you can record yourself on your mobile phone these days, there's no yep. problem doing that, Definitely. or you can record yourself on Zoom and play it back, yeah. Easily. But one of the things I have found that if you, when you rehearse it out loud and do it a number of times, you first of all, you find out the words that you trip over. You know, the words that you can say in your in your head quietly, but when you try to say them properly, exactly. you, your tongue gets tied and you trip over them and it sounds stupid, you know. So, so you discover those things. So then you work out a better way to say them. Yeah. And also your unconscious really comes to the fore and it comes up with wee things that you hadn't thought of when you're doing it out loud. So, and you can either jot them down or you can just use them the next time you do it. You know, yep. I would find that I if before I would do a presentation, I will have done that presentation at least 20 times. Yep. at least 20 times wow. to myself wow. yeah out loud yeah and okay it's time consuming 
but you want to do it right for your audience. You want to give them something good. They're going to take their time out to come and listen to you. You put the work in beforehand. It makes a difference. And the other thing yeah. I find I find that helps me is actually to stand up while I'm rehearsing yes. rather than uh -huh. sitting down because I try and simulate the environment and the energy that I will have when I'm performing whatever it is I'm doing. Definitely. I, I have to say that's the big difference I've found over the, with Zoom compared to everything else, you know, because you know, the computer's on the desk. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so if true. I stand up, I'm going to, you're going to be looking at my nose, you know? <laughs> uh, right. and so, uh, so I'm seated. I've got used now to speaking from a seat. I still move about a lot, as people yeah. have told me. But uh, definitely, if I'm doing something in a, to an audience from a stage, I will rehearse it standing up every yeah. time, you yeah. know, because yeah. it's different, you know? And you get your full body movement. And you, yeah. you it, it just, it works far better. Yeah. And the energy's there, you know? Yeah, it puts you in the zone. That. It's all about that energy and being in the zone so your subconscious mind can recall that and deliver yeah when you need to absolutely yeah that's a, that's how it works it really is how it works and it's fun yeah it is fun yeah. and <laughs> i mean you have a soundproof room <laughs> <laughs> or else understanding neighbors or whatever yeah. <laughs> or family or what. yeah but the other thing about it is you know it also means see when you go on to give that talk for the first time on stage it's not the first time That's you've already true. done it 20 yeah, times exactly because your mind doesn't know the difference yeah it's their first time it's the audience's first time That's but right. it's not your first time so that yep. just breeds confidence yep so true i love it and what about mm. like powerpoint and slides and you know versus projector versus nothing there's always that argument what how do people deliver speeches what are they going to use okay if you're talking about a live situation yes uh powerpoint's fine Yep. and slides but bear in mind they're called visual aids for a reason they're there to aid the speaker you know the speaker's not there to aid them you know yep. the worst thing you can do is to have a powerpoint slide with far too much information on it yep. um a for one of the reasons is the person in the back of the room can't see it yep. <laughs> because the writing's too small yep. you, you know you want to have a really a single point per slide you know and that is only there for you to to trigger you to give you something to talk about you know gotcha. so uh, and you never ever ever read a powerpoint out loud because the people can read faster than you can speak you know <laughs> and they've got to the end before you have yeah. and they're sitting wondering waiting for you to finish yeah. and thinking what's taking them so long they're starting to look at their phone you know and they're losing interest so you'll never read out what's on the powerpoint the powerpoint is only to, to give you a, a, a push about what to talk about and if you can, pictures are far, far better yeah. than, than, than words, you know, yeah. because you can talk so much about a picture. I mean, I, I have a, I gave a talk recently about, about this, about PowerPoint and using slides and what to use and what not to use. And I had a picture of a, a was it a transit van? It may well have been a, a Ford, <laughs> a van, right? And this van had passed me on the road going the other way about two or three weeks before I give the talk. Right. And I just caught a glimpse of it out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> and I had a friend, luckily I had a friend with me, and we, we identified the van. It was a company called Discount Beds uh, in, in Belfast, you see. So I got onto social media and said, can anybody tell me or get me a photograph of this van, Discount Beds? You know? <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. The response I got was great. Wow, <laughs> fantastic. Know? I ended up tracing, tracing down the van, tracing the guy that owned the van. Oh my Once I had assured them that the van hadn't done anything wrong, I just wanted a picture of it. <laughs> and the reason I wanted a picture of it was that the main sign writing in the van was Discount Beds. 
But then as a wee sort of after effect towards the uh, back of the van, they listed uh, beds, mattresses, occasional furniture, right? <laughs> so this triggered my mind, my weird mind as it is. And I began to think to myself, and I used this in the talk, you know, here we have a transit van, discount beds, great company, give them a wee bit of a plug, you know, deliver beds all over the UK, blah, 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 blah. And they do mattresses and bedding and they do and occasional furniture. Occasional furniture. Yeah, and I wondered what was occasional furniture. I thought, you know, <laughs> if you walk into their into their showroom, you know, and the man, the, the salesman goes up and says, sir, would you be interested in this, this item over here? It's a sofa. Occasionally, the rest of the time, it's a garden gnome. You know? <laughs> <laughs> here we have, you know, here we have a table over here. The rest of the time, it's a driveway. You know, occasionally, you know, and I ended up getting, you know, quite a while out of that, uh, and got a lot of laughs out of it, which gets people going. But it made the point that this single one picture of a van, an ordinary van, allowed you to talk so much and get your point across. Yeah. yeah. So that that pictures are brilliant. Pictures yeah. really. If you ever watch any of Seth Seth Golden stuff, yeah, he's he really good at that. All the time, he's magnificent, and he yeah. gets um, his stuff gets laughs. Yeah. And unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the guy, but there is a guy who has said this that the best point of learning is straight after the laugh. You know, right. So if you have something you want to get across, you want people to take on board, make them laugh, then make your point, love and it. that will go in. You know? I love it. I love that. That's why sometimes yeah. when people stand up to do a speech, they make a little joke at the beginning, and then mm. they've kind of made their audience receptive. They've yes. woken them up. It's like, okay, now we're listening to you. You have our well, attention. Exactly. Whenever you start, you, when your first time you walk on the stage uh you you have to grab your audience yep. straight away you have to grab them so what you see people doing is it's, it's not it's the worst thing you can do first of all i'll go back another stage right go yes. back up one stage just before you get on stage yep. somebody is going to introduce you nice. right <laughs> rule number one write the introduction for them Nice. Don't like rely on them to introduce you and say what you want them to say. Like, like you did for me, which which was good. <laughs> if you're at a conference, you know, this poor person who's who's emceeing the conference, right? They're maybe having to introduce 30 people over a weekend, right? right. They don't have time to, to research what everybody does, you know. So they're going to look up your web page, pick two or three things out of it, yep. and that's what they're Boring going to put together. And it could be the most rubbish thing. It could be nothing to do with what you want to talk about. So write the introduction, write your introduction for them. You know, give it to them and say, that's what I want you to say, please. They will be glad to do that. It Absolutely. makes their life easy. Hell and yeah. always, always do it in such a way as, you know, um, this is Darren Saul. Or no, don't, no, sorry, this next man, this person, that might, the next, your next guest, you know, has been in recruitment for 20 years. He's a professional photographer. He loves surfing. Please welcome Darren Saul. Love the last it. thing they say is, please welcome Darren Saul. And that's when you walk onto the stage, right? Beautiful. Now, the first thing you say is not, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Screw that. <laughs> you don't yep. do that. You come out with whatever it is you're going to grab them with, you know? Gotcha. And nine times out of 10, it can be a, a rhetorical question. You know, you know, it can be something like, uh, how many of you think speakers don't rehearse or don't research their audience properly? You know, <laughs> yeah. I'll go, huh? And then you repeat the question because there's a number of people in the room who haven't actually been listening to you, but they've heard the inflection in your voice. That was a question. What did he say? So you say it again and you've got them as well. You gotcha. know? Nice. And then you can carry on. So you've got your whole audience. You know? 
and or else some people do it like one saying something controversial and everybody goes what <laughs> you know but it's a way to get them or you can say something funny the other thing to do is if you are in a situation where there have been other speakers before you listen to what they've been saying if something has got a great reaction from the audience go on and reference it yeah you know work it into your introduction you know say something that you know that they've laughed about in the previous speaker you get them laughing and you're away yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of where the um, entertainment and the performance part comes into this, is that you have to think about how you are performing and how you are grabbing people's attention. It's not just delivering a message. You have to deliver it in a way where you'll get the most reception and people will really accept what you have to say because you're entertaining. Yeah. The problem is that most of the people who are asked to speak are asked to speak because they're an expert in some field mm -hmm. you know if it's a conference and say it's a conference about it they're an it expert maybe they're an it and or an expert in security or something like that yeah. so they make the mistake of thinking oh people want me to come and talk here because i am an expert in this yes they do but you still have to grab your audience Absolutely. so you not only do you have to be an expert in what you're about to talk about you have to be a bit of an entertainer as well you know now People say, I'm not an entertainer. I don't tell jokes. Fair enough. But by entertaining, I mean engaging. You have to be able to engage your audience. Unfortunately, and I, I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but probably the IT people are the worst, you know, because <laughs> they spend their whole lives looking into a wee screen as opposed to out in a big audience, you yeah. know. Yeah. And they, 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 because they're used to doing that and because they are experts in their field, you know, they do have a, a quite often they have a real difficult time communicating to a broad audience, you know, but it can be learned. You know, it's not something that you can't ever do. You can learn how to do it. Yeah. And the language is important as well. If you look, if you're working with very esoteric language, you've got to be careful not to use that to communicate when you're doing a presentation because most people don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> the number of the people who talk in acronyms, you yeah. know, and, uh, and initialisms. And I'm going, you know, I'm just starting to glaze over because I have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. It's a different language. Yeah. yeah and they, you know, the people who work in their specific field understand what they're talking about. Yeah. But the rest of the people are going, what? <laughs> you know? So. So true. You know, I, mean, I mean, I'd love to get man. into that a bit more. Do you have any particular um, tips or tricks for people to think about in terms of how they are performing or how they are engaging attention? Do you have any little a toolkit to say, you could either be funny, you could either be, um, I don't know, physically entertaining. Is there, are there any, what are the different ways people can really grab people's attention? Some people, being physically entertaining is is probably a bit more difficult. You know, um, there are certain guys, um, James Feach, I don't know if you know him or not. No. He, he, his, uh, he's a great guy he does a lot of ted talks and whatnot his main thing is he he loves to reply to people who are the scam emailers right. you know and he winds them up you know <laughs> yeah. look him up on youtube he's very very funny he's, he, he sends them back replies and he eventually gets them telling him please stop emailing me you know <laughs> they tell him to stop emailing them but one of the things about him is he he has some beautiful facial expressions you yeah. know that he, he puts across and they, they, they complement what he's doing. They're not yeah, the main yeah. feature, but they complement it very well. But that's unique to him. You know, that's and not everybody has that. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things. One of the most powerful things you can use in any presentation 
because it's something we're wired into. It's called the power of three, right? Okay. Human beings are wired to uh, look for patterns, right? Right. right? And the smallest pattern you can get is three, right? So the power of three is a great thing. Comedians use the power of three very well. What they do is they will give you point A, point B, and the last point when you're expecting C, you get D. And that's where they get the laugh from. You know? So they go A, B, D, yep. which is still a pattern, but it's actually a pattern break. So right? they're breaking pattern. That's why, they're breaking that's why it's a funny. Pattern. And that, that can be used for humor. You know? yes. uh, and comedians do it all the time. But if you're not necessarily looking for the humor, ABC is perfect to deliver your main points in threes if you can do it, you know, yes. or you're maybe bringing, maybe you're delivering a main point, but give three attributes of it, yes. you know, to emphasize the main point, because we are wired to look for patterns. So use that a lot. And you can even do it in um, the overall talk is, you know, point A is your start. The middle is point B. And point C is your end. So it's still a, it's still a three and you can yes. have a sort of a sort of a circular ending. Yep. Whenever you get to the end, if you can refer back to point A, that closes the whole thing nicely. Closes the loop. I like it. Yeah. Yep. And people people are happy. They feel it. They, oh, good. That, we've got this. Yeah, it feels know. resolved. It feels whole. It's one of the reasons why another tip is you never, ever take questions at the end. Never. Because mm. right? it breaks patterns. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, if you are, if, if you haven't been dealing with the questions along the way, and sometimes even if you are dealing with questions along the way, it is nice to say, has anybody been any, any general questions? But you don't do that at the end. You do that before you get to the end, right? right. So say you have, you know how you're going to finish. Yep. You've got your, your ultimate conclusion, right? What you say is you get to maybe 10 minutes before that. Say, right, in, in 10 minutes, I'm going to conclude. But before we get there, has anybody any questions? Right? I like that. Now, the reason for that is they may have no questions, in which case you just go and conclude. They may have questions which would take you away off on the tangent, which you can do yeah. because you know you're going to come back to where you want to be to conclude. Yeah. Or they may have you know, silly questions or, or whatever, you know, and you can deal with them. But the bottom line is you're in control because you're still going to finish your, your presentation the way you planned to finish it. Nice. If you leave your, your, your questions, if you finish your presentation and say, Right? Are there any questions? You don't know what anybody's going to say. That's they can say anything and completely destroy the impact that you've had. That's right. It's almost yeah. like you've just lost momentum because you finished off on a high note, yeah. and then you are and people answer ask questions, and then the whole thing just drops. Correct. You're giving you're you're handing over control to the audience. You yeah. don't ever want to do that. You know? uh, so never have your questions at the end. Have them before the end and tell people you're going to give them. X time for questions I if like they that. need it. Never heard anybody say that before. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, I'm going to use that. Great. It just keeps you in control. Yeah. Awesome. So it's another I mean, tip. Yeah, beautiful. The more the merrier. <laughs> um, and so I'd love to hear more about what you do, Donald. So tell us how you work with people, and you know, in what capacity, and you're working for people all over the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, uh, before obviously, the great thing about Zoom is it has completely opened up the world. Yeah, in a big oh, way, in my life, it certainly has. Because prior to prior to the whole lockdown thing in Zoom, I, I was based in, I am based in Northern Ireland, and that was where I was looking at my market. So I was putting on seminars, come along, listen, and then uh, anybody wants to go on to do a further course, we can do that over a period of time. Uh, that, well, first of all, that was all knocked in the head uh, with the coronavirus <laughs> thing. But it has now gone on to Zoom, and it has evolved in a number of different ways. 
there's people have come to me saying, look, I have a presentation I have to do in three or four weeks. Can you work with me? Nice. And we'll sort it out. And the answer is yes. Right. And the great thing about that is they can do it all over the world, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can do it in Sydney, you can do it in Canada, yeah. whatever, you know. Uh, and so I do have, I've actually more clients overseas now than what I have here. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Another thing I was asked to do, which was very interesting, I wasn't expecting it, and it has been fun, is uh, a company who are based in Belfast, but they, they do sell in, into the UK and the Republic of Ireland. And they asked me to sit in almost like a secret shopper while two of their salespeople were doing a, a you know, t t telling people about their products. Nice. So they had a number of customers or potential customers there. I was there as a sort of a potential customer, but not really, yeah, uh, listening to the whole presentation. It was two girls, ladies, who were really, really good. They knew their stuff really well. The only problem I found was that they were both Belfast girls, and <laughs> Belfast people tend to talk far too quickly, right? <laughs> They tend to have peculiar accents if you're not from Belfast yep. and their audience were, were largely not from Belfast. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a difficulty there. I, I thought people probably weren't getting the full impact of their knowledge. They obviously knew their, their product really, really well. They were two very personable people. They were very likable, you know, which is important, but I thought they were missing out. They needed to slow down and they needed to be a little, get their enunciation just a little bit better, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was able to write a report and go back to the company and say, this is what I think, you know? Nice. Uh, so that's another thing I can do for, for people that's, as well. That's a really good point because a lot of people, you know, when they're starting out presenting, they tend to speak very fast because yes. they're a bit more nervous or whatever else. And mm -hmm. I've had to do the same with myself. It's kind of just train myself to slow down and pronunciate or enunciate everything yeah. properly and also gives you a second to just take stock uh -huh. so your speech your speed in which you speak is very important as well i have that, that you know i can give you categorical evidence of that i have timed myself delivering a talk to myself right rehearsing right. Yeah. You know, and maybe a, a speech that I've got down, the biggest bit is getting, people think, oh, I'll never be able to talk for 10 minutes. Yeah. Trust me, once you get in there, the trouble is getting it cut down to 10 minutes. So I told me getting the chainsaw out to the top, out to the top <laughs> cutting the bits off. You know, that you, you, and these are bits that you love, but you still have to That's dump right. them. You know? And you never have to dump two or three words because that two or three words are referring to something else. So you have to dump the whole thing. You That's know? Right. It's horrible. So I've got to talk down to maybe 10 minutes. Uh, and I'm thinking... I'm squeezing it in there, but I'm getting, I'll get it done in 10 minutes. Yep. When you deliver that talk, you get it through in eight and a half minutes because you do do things quicker. You know, the nerves take over and you are going quicker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and really that's not a good thing. You, you should be able to slow down and yeah. do it. And you almost find that you, you sometimes think to yourself that the audience is wanting you to get to, to roll through things, but they're actually not. No, they're, they're not. You no, know, they're just, they're captivated and they're enjoying yeah. it. But you think, Ideally, that, oh, yeah. They, they want me to get to the next point, so I'm going to speak faster. But no, just slow yeah. down, take your time. And as you say before, bring them on the journey with you. Absolutely. The only time you want to be short is that if you are, if you're given, if you're at a conference and you're given the slot before lunch, yeah. you know, and the, <laughs> the organizers say, we want you to talk for 40 minutes, work it out in your head. You're going to yeah. have the talk. The talk's going to be 30 minutes and yeah. finish under 30 minutes. Nobody's going to complain. You know, right. <laughs> they're going to say that was great. Now we're going to eat and talk about it. You know, the way so they go. True, so true. Yeah. The biggest, the hardest part after the worst slot to get 
is uh, the one straight after lunch. Because yeah, straight after lunch, again. people are sitting down, they're relaxing, and they're starting to get sleepy. Yeah. I have seen people asleep after lunch, you know? <laughs> and that's where you really have to be on top form. You have to grab them at the start. And if you can, that's when I would say start with something physical, you know, right. you know, do, do, a, do a physical exercise with people. I want everybody to stand up and yep. come up with some idea, some routine. You pick it up loads of them on YouTube, you know, yep. and get people to physically move, you know, and then they can sit down and listen to you because that wakens them up. If you don't do that, guarantee some of them are going to fall asleep. Even if you're the most engaging speaker in the world, the, the warm tummy and the warm feeling takes over and the eyes droop in a way that goes. I've you know? seen that a few times and it also kind of breaks pattern in a way, in a good way. You know, they're, yeah. in, they're in the pattern of falling asleep and uh -huh. you just wake up, break pattern. Okay, where are we? I, yeah. Now you have my attention. Let's go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you have to do that on that slot after lunch. That's a uh, must. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah, this is gold, Donald Gold. <laughs> um, now I want to chat one last thing about storytelling. You know, storytelling is important as well. Um, yep. We all know how important that is these days, and that word's been done to death. But people love to, you know, to really get into a story and really feel part of the situation. So I thought mm -hmm. maybe you can tell us a story and give us a little bit of a, an idea of how you might have helped somebody, you know, on their journey to being a better presenter and how working with you really made a difference to them, without mentioning names, of course. <laughs> um, Right. You're right about storytelling. Everybody's using this word storytelling as yep. if it was something new. Yes, it's, it's been around since the beginning of time. Thousands of years old. Yep. It's thousands of years old. I mean, before people, when there was nobody writing things down, that's yep. how your history was. It was exactly. handed down was by storytellers, 100%. shamans, whatever. Yep. And the storytellers were almost probably the most important people in society. Definitely. They were the people who handed down the knowledge over the years. So yep. storytelling is not new. It's, and once again, it's a bit like patterns. We're wired as babies to listen to stories. I mean, every, every child wants a bedtime story. Daddy, tell yeah, me a bedtime story true, and so on. They, they go, and want, not only that, they want the same bedtime story again and again. Yeah, Remember the time the kids they read and the, the parents are getting bored because they've read it hundreds of times. Yeah. The kids still want it again, you know? Yeah, uh, so we, we, we love stories. We want to hear stories and people will, I mean, I, it, it amazes me. People ask comedians, would you tell the one about such and such? They've heard it before, but they want to hear the comedian tell it again, you know, because it's a good story. You know? So, you know, if you can make your presentation in a, in a story format, you know, brilliant. You know, that, that's to me the examples. It's like me telling you about Eric Bellini earlier on. Yeah. That's me telling you a story about exactly. how I get over my, my initial fear of getting. I could have said, uh, well, you know, I, I went on stage in front of an audience and a guy made a fool of me. You know, and acted yeah. over my fear. That's not the same about telling you about Eric no and his way. drugs. Very different impacts. I mean, I still remember that the details of that story now, and you've done yeah. that all through this podcast, which is sensational. Perfect example of storytelling. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I said to you earlier on about um, stories about that. That taught me. That did teach me how to not to be scared about getting in front of an audience. Yeah. Didn't teach me how to do it. Yeah, and <laughs> the way I learned that lesson was another incident uh, all to do with the entertainment business right. where back in ooh, way back in the uh, 90s early 90s uh, <laughs> myself and another guy became the first two promoters to bring a meal review into ireland right all right um meal strippers basically right all right and we had these guys oh, i thought you said a meal review you said a male uh, review no, a male male yeah, sorry not a meal Irish review like how was your hamburger yeah, right. okay <laughs> great at the time, the Chippendales were starting to become really well known. Um, 
but we we got hold of this bunch of guys who were great and they were called the men of america right <laughs> and there were these big hunks of beefcake type characters came in <laughs> and they, uh, they 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 were very good and we sold out 15 nights it had never been done in ireland so the the women were just going mad for it it was brilliant it's the easiest sell we've ever had right <laughs> sold out completely and bear in mind this is pre-mobile phone times right so they, they, they had a, their, their MD, um, MD, well, their director of the whole thing uh, was a wee guy. He was small. He was about five foot eight, um, but he was built really well. His name was Billy and he came from the Bronx in right. New York and he was as tough as nails, right? <laughs> and he was their spokesperson, you know? Uh, so the first night they went on, it was brilliant. It was a magic night. But the atmosphere in the room was just fantastic. You know, the women were woo, brilliant. But what these guys did, they weren't that hard to pay, right? So they weren't earning lots of money. But as I say, this is pre-mobile phones day. So what they were doing at the end of the show, after they'd got all these women enthralled, they were they had Polaroid cameras, yeah. right? And what they were doing, the women could, could pose with the, the hunk of their choice <laughs> and somebody would take a Polaroid picture and sell it to them for a fiver. Nice. And this is a long time ago, you know. Fiverr was a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> right? they cleaned up. Selling two or three hundred of these on a Ooh. night, maybe more. I mean, it was that was their main source of income. Wow, which really? is why we weren't having to pay them too much. Yeah, and the guys were really good. They were great guys, good to get on with. But the Irish women weren't stupid, right? They came to these <laughs> gigs, and they brought their cameras with them. Oh <laughs> no! So they were taking pictures all through the all yeah, through the terrible. And Billy started to go nuts, you know. And he came to me the second night and he said, Donald, you have to stop these women taking photographs. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how the hell am I going to do that? You know, Leave your you cameras at the yourself. door. You're not allowed to do it. They can't take photographs, you know. You you've got to tell them not to, you know. So I thought, okay. And I, I didn't think it through. So that night, <laughs> room full of women, 750 in this case. It was a place near Port Rush in Northern Ireland. And he said, right, you've got to go and make an announcement. They can't take pictures, you know. So <laughs> Innocent Donald, no brains at all, walks into the audience. It was funny. I, the stage went out into the room. And as I was walking over the stage, I've never had my ass pinched so often in my life <laughs> until I got to the stage. As soon as I stepped on stage, the place went nuts. I mean, these were a bunch of women who were expecting somebody to come on stage and take their clothes off. This man had just walked on stage. So they're all going, yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm thinking, oh dear, right? So I walked over to the microphone and they were still screaming. And I started to make my announcement, you know, ladies, you're not allowed to take photographs, blah, 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 blah. And they completely ignored me. You know, <laughs> I might as well have been talking to the wall. Maybe you time. should have taken Pretty your shirt enough. off. They might have started listening. <laughs> I wouldn't have got off the stage alive. <laughs> but uh, so it was it was a total failure, right? Obviously, the show went on. The women still kept taking photographs, and Billy was even more annoyed, you know, at the end of the show, right? He was really pissed. So uh, they, 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 I thought he was giving me so much Eric. I thought the next night, I have to do something here. What am I going to do? So what I did was I, I, got a, I got a sheet of paper, right? And I scribbled some stuff onto it. Yeah. And I learned from what had happened the night before. So... <laughs> When I went, I went up on the stage and I knew everybody was going to go, ah, so I just let them go. And I stood at the microphone and I stood there with my piece of paper and they, uh, I waited until it all subsided, right? And I knew that as soon as I would say the word ladies, they'd all go nuts again. So I went, ladies, and they all went, ah, 
oh, right, so I'll let it subside again because of the night before. Right. I said, ladies, I have a message for you from the men of America. I want to read it to you. Is that okay? Love it. Went, ah. I said, right. And I started reading this piece of paper where there was, this wasn't written on it at all, but it looked like it was. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, the men of America would like to respectfully request that when they're doing their show, you refrain from flashing. <laughs> and they all laughed and teed. And I sort of looked very confused. And then, oh, sorry, from flashing your cameras as it puts them off their stroke. Yeah. And I got a big laugh. Well and believe it or not, they didn't take as many photographs that night. You know? And the point, the, the point of the story is that, you know, because I'd learned from the night before, in other words, that's the rehearsal bit. Yep. That's where you learn your mistakes. Definitely. I knew what to expect. I knew how they were going to react. I knew what I had to do to communicate with them. I couldn't talk at them. I had to get them on my side, you know, and it worked, you know, and there was less photographs to take. And Billy saw me making the effort. He saw the reaction and he stopped giving me a ear, you know. Love so that's that. another. That's how I learned about the benefit of rehearsing and, and doing your, your homework. And knowing what your audience are like. Uh, that's sensational. That's what a, what that's a great story. story. What a great story. I love it. You've given me so many great stories to remember today. Uh, there's, there's, there's lots of, that's my point. You know, in two, you'd asked me how I got to where I got to. In 2018, I decided that I, I had come from the person who was scared of his own voice mm -hmm. to somebody who enjoyed being on stage. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there, a lot of people teaching public speaking. But there's nobody has had the journey that I have had with the disasters and yeah. the humorous things and whatnot that have has each one of those things has taught me something that I've learned. And it's taught me something that I can impart to other people with the same stories. You know, uh, so I figured nobody will have a course like mine. <laughs> it's unique. No way. <laughs> you know? No way. It's I... be enjoyable. It has to be entertaining. You know? Definitely. Man. I mean, Donald, it's been absolutely sensational. I've been. My jaw is hurting from smiling and grinning so much. I've been <laughs> laughing for the last hour. It's just brilliant. So entertaining. So I really want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. But um, before we finish up, I'd like you to tell everybody how they can find you. Right. Um, if you look up, right, the best way to find me is uh, on Facebook. Or not Facebook, sorry, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Look up Donald O'Neill on LinkedIn. That's probably, LinkedIn is universal now. There's no yep. two ways about it. And I would, most of my connections would be through LinkedIn. Uh, I do have an email, which the, there's another story behind that, but it might sound <laughs> a bit weird. It's Donald, which is my name, which isn't so weird, uh, at Mulsan. Mulsan is a little village in France, M-U-L-S-A-N-N-E. -N -N -E. right. It's also the name of the what used to be the longest motor racing street in uh, the Le Mans motor race, right. which is what it is named okay. after. Being yeah. a, I'm a motor racing buff. Yeah. So it's mulsan.co.uk. <laughs> Donald at Mulsan, M-U-L-S-A-N-N-E.co.uk. Or just look up Donald O'Neill on uh, LinkedIn. There are... There's probably two of us in Ireland that would be uh, would have a high feature in LinkedIn. Uh, the other guy is a Gaelic football player. So if you see him <laughs> to do with Gaelic football, it's not me. <laughs> so you to say there's only there's only a few Donald O'Neills that pop up on when you. Well, there's a few, but there's only a few would pop up. You know. Prominently. High up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Prominent, really? yeah. Wow, what do you know? Yeah. Fantastic. Say, the other guy is a, a, a great guy. He's big into Gillick football. He's actually, the, he started the Gillick football players uh, union uh, quite oh, right. a few years ago. Well, and has done a lot of work for the, for the Gillick football players. 
there's a couple of other guys they're chemists and so on but they have they're sort of regular people as opposed to nutters like me you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic well i'll make sure that i put all your details in the show notes so everybody out there if you want to get in Thank touch you. with donald all the details will be in the notes of the podcast and also on youtube um, sure. so uh, we can contact him and be as en and be entertained for as long as you need because it's been superb so donald really appreciate you coming on the show you know we've learned i've learned so much it's been entertaining but it's been incredibly informative and hopefully people can really take a lot of great tips and trips and strategies for how to prepare their presentation how to execute their presentation how to think about performing whether that be on zoom or whether that be face to face because you know we're going to be living in this hybrid world for quite some time so you know it's just as important to deliver on the screen as you would in person as well um so thanks again for coming on the show all the way from Living ireland around. anything that you want to leave us with before we finish up yeah it's been really good fun it, my the one thing i would say is you know if you're going to have to if you're going to do a speech just get out there and do it you know get break the break that that thing that fear get, get out of your comfort zone do it and then if you do fall on your face you'll still be alive at the end of it that's right. You, know, you, you don't die. <laughs> you know? That's right. Uh, you definitely don't die. But there are lots of court, lots of things you can do to avoid, you know, falling on your face. Yeah. But get out there. It's you know, if people laugh at you, at least they're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What a great place to finish. I'll leave it there. Donald, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, everybody out there, we'll see you very, very soon for another episode. Bye for now.